Hello, everyone. Welcome or welcome back to the Street of Verb podcast. This is episode two. We're going to be doing something a little different today. We're going to be talking to a collaborator, co-creator of Studio Verb, Katie Becker, about her past, about her childhood, what got her into architecture and writing and, uh, and photography. Uh, because the second half of the show, we're going to be talking more about photography, specifically about this show that she had the opportunity uh, to show her work at in Minnesota. She was asked, uh, approached by someone to, to, to put together a collection of photos and, and present it or, or showcase it at, at, at an event in Minneapolis. Um, and so that was pretty exciting and pretty cool to hear about. She had some awesome experiences leading up to it and uh, during the show. And uh, so we thought it'd be fun to talk about the power of photography and how it can relate back to your own stories, but then also how, uh, as a viewer, seeing someone else's photo can spark a memory of your own um, and how photography allows that link uh, between those two pretty personal stories and, and how it can kind of spark those those memories and, and that imagination. So... Uh, it's pretty fun conversation, pretty excited about it. Um, and just wanted to give a little more backstory too on, on Katie. I think in future episodes we'll do, uh, myself, Isaac, and also Abdi. Uh, but we wanted to focus on Katie this week and this month because uh, she just got done doing a, a pretty cool thing. So, uh, hope you enjoy and, uh, let's get into it. We were first exposed to studio culture in architecture school. It was a place of messy work, late nights, deep conversations, and not so deep conversation. After so much time in this environment, we quickly recognized the benefits of working in a studio culture. Studio is a place where you can focus on creating your own work, but are afforded the benefit of working alongside your peers who are looking to accomplish a similar goal, to make something really cool. Studio Verb is a place where this collaboration can happen digitally. It's a place that encourages you to make something. Be active, do, create. So we're going to get into it. We're going to talk to Katie about kind of where she came from, her background, and uh, what got her doing the awesome stuff that she's doing now. So Katie, (laughs) where, where, uh, where were you born? Where, where are you from? What's your deal? Uh, so I am originally from Twin Cities in Minnesota. I grew up in a suburb uh, around there. Um, grew up in the same house my entire life, same neighborhood. Uh, it's a great place to grow up. Uh, what neighborhood was that? Uh, that was Minnetonka, Minnesota. Okay. So, um, yeah. Then uh, went off to school in Fargo, North Dakota for five years. Uh, I was just far enough away to, to get away, but close enough that I could go home, it was, uh, so it was great. Uh, that's where I met Abdi and Isaac. And then uh, after that, I spent two years in Grand Forks, North Dakota. Uh, in the last two years, I've been in Sioux Falls, uh, South Dakota. So I've been kind of around this uh, equilateral triangle of uh, the three states here for the last, for my life, I guess. Uh, and it's it's been fun. No doubt. So you... Uh... I, I, you and I have talked a little bit about this, but what got you into, what was, what was it like growing up? What things were you into? Uh, what, and, and then uh, double down on that. What got you into architecture? Yeah. Um, so I was always the creative kid. Um, I did sports up until I reached high school. I was in a really competitive community. So unless you were really good at, at, at sports, you weren't really going anywhere. And uh, that was actually okay with me because uh, sports weren't really my thing. Uh, my thing was anything that involved the arts. Uh, and that was really prevalent to me from an early age. I was always somebody who wanted to play make-believe, um, who wanted to... Um, I wrote plays for my cousins and my brother and I to put on. Um, That's fantastic. Oh, yes. There is one very infamous uh, show that we wrote for Thanksgiving (laughs) where um, I was the uh, interior designer of some cabin or something. Um, My cousins. No way. (laughs) You wrote a play about you being an interior designer of a cabin? 
Yeah. Oh, that's so great. That's Um, so great. My cousins were the grandmother and the hunter, and my brother was the turkey, and he put his arm, his legs through the armholes of a yellow sweatshirt, and he actually looked like a turkey. (laughs) Um, It was pretty great. So, you got pictures of that, right? Oh, yes. We've yeah. got lots so. of pictures. You're busting that out later at the, <laughs> when the time is right. Yes. Um, so, yeah, so I was always that, that person creating worlds and creating things. Um, in elementary school, I would sit on the hill during recess, and I would draw the house behind the school. Um, I was involved in theater and choir. Uh, I started I guess the first time writing really hit me was, I guess, third grade. We had, like, writing assignments where we had to write little books. Um, And I wrote, like, six of them. And I think my classmates wrote, like, three or something. But I, like, just went for it. Other than the kid that wrote the (laughs) hat. And then I think the first time I really critically looked at writing was in fourth grade. Um, My teacher... uh, was awesome, one of my favorites that I had. And she required us to carry around like a, a notebook with us. And we had to turn it in at the end of every quarter, but we had to have X amount of entries in it that were um, different styles of writing or different things. And really, it didn't really matter what we wrote. It just mattered that we wrote. Um, and I wish I had it now. I think by the end of the year, I had such a like loathing towards it of like, I was just forced to write everything all the time that I threw it away. And now I look back and I really wish that I had it because the mm-hmm. little bits that I remember were really cool. And I, I wish I could read fourth grade Katie's thoughts, you know, mm-hmm. um, but that just really forced me to like sit down and write and to look at the world differently and see what I could craft together. Do you think you were already doing that or do you think like looking at the world differently or, or do you think uh, that was one way for you to like get into that? Um, I'd say probably a little bit of both. Uh, I think it, uh, I think I always, I feel like I've always kind of just looked at the world a little differently with a little bit different of a critical eye. Um, Mm. so I've always just kind of been like that, but I think, uh, that assignment really helped me put it into, into words. So yeah, um, so that was really like my early creativity. Um, And then in middle school is when I found architecture as an outlet for creativity. And looking back, it's really like, oh, that was obvious. Like, why did I not think of this before? Because I drew the house behind behind the school. I had gone to soccer registration and saw blueprints hanging on the wall of the high school and said, mom, I wanna do that when I get to high school. Not knowing, oh man, you said that? Yeah, not knowing that that was architecture. But wow. my mom has a clear memory of me doing that. And I did. I ended up getting to do those blueprints in high school, right? Yeah. Um, <laughs> but middle school was where I found architecture. We were doing a tech ed, and it was those little CO2 cartridge car things. And we had to draw a blueprint for it. And just the process of drawing that car in a technical way, I could have cared less about the car itself, but the the drawing of it was really exciting for me. And then watching the blueprint process with that lovely smell of ammonia yeah. and, and just that old school process really just sparked something in me. Um, and for the rest of that year, um, this was eighth grade, I would spend my time either in old school, y'all, Microsoft Paint, because it was all I had, or by hand, um, one-point perspectives of different bedrooms for my friends. I would go up to them and say, hey, um, what are your interests? Oh, you're a gymnast. Okay, what if I designed a room for you that had a lofted bed, a balance room that went across the room, and a comfortable like crash pad mat underneath? So you were already drumming up work when you were young, too. Yeah. You were were, were hitting the pavement. You were like, I got to find some work. Yeah, but it was a, it was a way for me to like, for lack of for a, sure. you know, find a client, my friend, <laughs> yeah, right? I know. And, be, yeah. and and say, what would you want in your dream bedroom, and then draw it up for them. Yes, perfect. Yeah, so that was that was me in eighth grade was you know designing these bedrooms for my friends, um, and when I got to high school, I got to take an architecture class, and it was really it was just. A, life-changing, I guess, because 
it really got me on the path to where I am. And more so than the class, it was the teacher. Uh, T is uh, what we called him, and he uh, he was life-changing for me in many ways. He encouraged me. He was the one who got me involved in the state competition in the spring. Um, and uh, from that point, it was just kind of full steam ahead. I knew what I wanted to do. I knew that I wanted to make space and uh, for people and work through that. I liked the presenting par portion of it. Yeah, interesting. What draws you to architecture, would you say? Yeah, what drew you initially and what draws you now? It's a really good question. Uh, I, I think what I liked about it was um, the way that it blended art and math. Um, I'm not good at math right now, but back in uh, grade school, I was really good at math, uh, and I would always love to draw, right? So um, I saw architecture as this precise way that combined the two, uh, that I could be technical with my drawings, um, but also be really creative in it. And uh, the world was my oyster. I could think outside the box and, and come up with some really cool things that fit the people that I was designing for. And I think it goes back to those rooms I was designing for my friends is that I could put a smile on their faces I, and I could design specifically for them. Uh, for a long time in high school, I thought I wanted to go into residential architecture because it was more mm -hmm. that personal thing where mm -hmm. I could work one-on-one -on -one with a client, design their home, their happy space, um, something that they would love and live in. Uh, and as I, you know, as I went through school and learned more about different types of architecture, um, I really gravitated towards educational design, uh, K-12 specifically, because I love to learn, and I love learning new things, and I like the idea of figuring out how we can use learning to influence space and space to influence learning. So that's, that's where I'm at right now, uh, what I specialize in, uh, and that really right there, that is why I love what I do. Um, is because I get to think about that, that dichotomy, right, or that um, reciprocal relationship. Yeah, that, that link, because they're a lot more related than mm -hmm. people think they are. Um, mm -hmm. And I th think that goes across any typology, right? But in learning and education, I think it's, it's even more prominent. Uh, and the other thing is that I get to sit down with staff and students and talk about their days and what they're doing and how can I make their space better. Uh, and to see that come out on a day-to-day -day basis through um, the education of future generations is really rewarding for me. That's terrific. Yeah, I, I, I think this is going to be fun to get into a little bit more, um, just talking about architecture as more than just a, a building. Uh, it's, a, it's a space that informs the way we live. So to me, this is interesting, a good transition into like, kind of the other stuff you do. You talked about writing, but you didn't really touch on photography. And I know that's a big part of what you, what you do now. Can you touch on that a little bit? Photography is something that goes back to kind of that whole, I was looking at the world a little differently sort of a thing. Uh, I always had a camera. Uh, I shouldn't say always. I've, for the as long as I can remember, I've had a camera uh, around me. And uh, the first time I really started looking at photography in an artistic or in a different way, or as a way to capture something, is uh, through my brother's sports teams growing up. He played baseball and football, and um, one way to keep me interested during games was that my dad would give me a camera. Um, and uh, I would walk around the field and take different pictures, and at the end of the season, we'd put together a video collage for the team. So. I had this very distinct moment of seeing, I mean, there was a lot of those standard shots, right? Of the second baseman or the running back or whoever, um, you know, standard sports shots. But um, I would be walking around the baseball diamond one day and I looked through the dugout and one of these little holes and it was the bags and bats on the fence and just framing that simple object through the dugout just like captured something in me. It was like, oh, this is something different. This is not how you typically would see these objects. Or trying to shoot through a, a chain link fence. It was just, it was way, it was challenges I had to 
problem solve around in order to get the best shot. Um, so that that was kind of that, and that blended into going back to kind of writing. Uh, I wrote this poem called "Through My Lens" about this sports, you know, moment uh, and how I saw things differently, and so. That's always just kind of been churning in the back of my head of, well, how do you see things through, through the lens, and how does that change what you see? <laughs> so, uh, when I had the opportunity to uh, present this collection uh, at an at an art show in Minneapolis, uh, that's the first thing that came to me is that whatever I was going to show, it was going to be titled through my lens. Um, because that is how I see the world, or, or that's one way in which I see the world. And I, I wanted to capture that and display that for people to see. So do, when you say, when you say through my lens, do you, do you see, do you walk around and like, there's moments you're like, oh, I wish I had a camera right now. Or, or do you prefer to have a camera on you? And like, you feel like you're in a different space when you have a camera, like in front of your and you're looking through a camera. Ooh, I think it goes both ways. Um, I'm kind of the person who wishes I had a constant soundtrack to my life. Um, <laughs> and, and part of that goes to the idea of a camera, right? That, like what angle would this be seen at? Or, or how <laughs> would I be seeing things? And um, through, through a camera, video lens or, or a still lens. And so, yeah, there's definitely moments where I'm walking and I'm like, Oh, I wish I wish it wouldn't be weird for me to stop and capture this moment in a photograph. Um, that's how I walk through a lot of cities when I'm traveling, actually, is with my camera and, and capturing those moments and stopping um, and really getting to see the city in that way. Um, but in my everyday life, I don't. My phone is the camera that I carry with me on an everyday. Yeah. Um, but it's a little different, yeah. It, and yeah, and it's a little different, but it still gives you that ability to capture a moment in, um, in a still. I think no matter what I'm working on, be it architecture or writing or photography, I really try to capture a story. Um, that's really important to me. Uh, space should reflect the users. Or a piece of writing should tell a story. It should take you somewhere. Uh, and a photograph should... Again, it should it should capture that moment in a way that can't be relived. Um, that is that moment for you, um, but maybe can be something else for somebody um, somebody else. You you said you said something that was interesting, and I think also kind of leads into talking a little more specifically about uh, these photos. And if and if for anyone listening, if if you want to look at the photos Katie's talking about, because I think we we'll, we can get into them more specifically. Um, they're, they're going to be on our website, um, studioverb.com and, uh, we'll, there'll be a, there'll be a, uh, it'll probably even be in the studio captured, uh, portion of the webpage mm -hmm. and, uh, under through my lens. So that's where you can see these photos if you want to reference what we're talking about specifically. Um, but Katie, one thing you said, and I think you can speak to some of these photos. It seems, it seems like most of these photos are travel photos that you you took and you said when you're traveling you that you have your camera on you at all times yeah um, um the statement that kind of went along with the show that i did uh addressed that a little bit um i don't know uh, should i read it yeah for sure go mm -hmm. for it okay so uh some people criticize those who travel to a new place only to stay glued to their camera the entire time they argue that you can't fully experience and understand a place trapped behind a lens for me, through the lens of a camera is how I am able to best take in the textures, sights, and experiences of a place. Through my lens is a collection from my travels over the years that represent my experiences in these magnificent places. Each photo depicts a defining moment in my experience and offers a window into how I see the world. So what I was trying to do with this collection was take 10, 10 cities from the places I've traveled over the last 10 years and share a moment, share a story from that trip with, uh, with other people. Uh, and what was really fun was to start to hear the stories 
that other people had for those cities or for that photograph. Um, every one of the photos that I, I showed have a story behind them for me. But it was fun to, one, have people start guessing what city was which. Uh, so I, I didn't have them labeled on the front. Uh, but also to hear their stories. I had um, somebody buy one of my prints uh, and when I asked her, well, why, why did you buy that one? Why, why this one? And she said, because that's the photograph I would have taken had I been able to cross uh, the bridge that day. So uh, she bought number one, which is a photograph of the Golden Gate Bridge in San Francisco. And she w continued to the story about how, well, the day that they were there, they weren't able to cross the bridge because there was some incident going on. So she didn't get to go to the middle, but this is the photograph she would have taken had she been able to do that. Um, when she brought it home and hung it up in her house for her and her kids came in, she asked, you guys know what that is? And they go, oh yeah, that's the bridge from that trip that we took where we couldn't go to the middle of the bridge because there was a thing <laughs> happening on there. Cool. <laughs> and they, even though it was, wasn't a photograph that they had taken, they knew exactly what that moment was and why their mom had bought that photograph. Um, because it was the photo she would have taken. And for me, that was just so cool because that is not the story that I associate with that photograph. Um, but for them and every time that they see it now, that's what they'll remember. Cool. That's like an intimate shared experience with them, but a shared experience with all of you. Exactly. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, you, so you, you, you sold, you sold not one, but two of them, correct? Yeah. So I sold hey. one and number nine. <laughs> Nice. nice work. Yeah. That's awesome. He gets the sound of confetti gets shot <laughs> off. And, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. There we go. Abdi did it. <laughs> so I, I want to get into I think we should do a fun guessing game at the end of this. I know number one. <laughs> Where is it, Abdi? San Francisco. Yeah. Uh, cool. Number two. I have no idea about number two. That looks like a can I get, it looks like a train depot. Yes. An old train depot. Yes. Mm -hmm. With those cool cast iron, like, legs on those cool bench. Hmm. Where would that be? Abdi, where do you, what do you think? Not in the United States. I vote Boston. Because mm. I know where you've traveled to. Abdi, <laughs> <laughs> uh, no. gotta, where is it? Uh, it's Cavalier, North Dakota. Oh man, not Damn, Boston. I should I should have guessed North Dakota. Shouts out to Cavalier, North Dakota. <laughs> <laughs> uh, number three. What's number three? Do, Santa Monica. Think? Ooh, that's a good one. It's all colorful and um, that could really be anywhere. Maybe I'm gonna say the state fairgrounds in Minnesota. Uh, not a travel photo. You were close. It's Venice Beach. Mm. Nice. You were in the you were in the vicinity. What's number four? Is that water? A reflection of water? That's right. Yeah. yeah. The woods of Minnesota. Thing. Actually, none, none of these were taken in Minnesota. Oh. Wisconsin. By the way, can we can, say, Katie say Minnesota again? Minnesota. So our listeners know how to pronounce Minnesota. <laughs> like Minnesota. from all of us. One more time. Minnesota. <laughs> this is for everyone. It's Minnesota and not Minnesota. Minnesota. Wingardium Leviosa. Not Wingardium Leviosa. Yep. So this is Virginia, you said? Yeah, this is Virginia Beach. Cool. Mm. Nice. Abdi, where do you think five is? Uh, Arizona? Winnipeg. <laughs> no, I, I, I say, uh, I say Dubai. Ding, UAE. ding, ding. Yep. Yeah. Oh, I cheated on that one. <laughs> <clears throat> so no one got, so sidebar, no one got any of these right except for because no one saw San Francisco they, one, but no right. one else. I got the Ferris wheel. Yeah, I've got that one right. I, but <laughs> you're, apparently, you're like the only one who got these right. Yeah. Um, oh, there man. was a guy who, like, once I said Dubai, 
he he was like, oh yeah, that totally because he had done a similar dune bugging experience that I did, um, where cool. this picture was taken. So once I said Dubai, he's like, oh yeah, that's exactly like you can kind of start seeing the tracks and like exact same night, dude. <laughs> like we were on this, we were on the same like ex, uh, experience tourist yeah. thing. That's funny. Not the same night though. You no. were like, hey, I saw you there. No. Uh, number six, Abdi, what do you got? Outside of the U.S. <laughs> uh, I say Spain somewhere. Yep, that's Madrid. Nice. That's so yep. beautiful. Nice. Uh, seven. I think I know seven, too. Lake Abdi. Michigan. Lake Superior. Nope. This Is this Wisconsin, your cabin? Nope. Is it Minnetonka? No. No, it's not Minnesota. Dang it. <laughs> Boston. <laughs> <laughs> no, this is Kalispell, Montana. Oh, no way. Montana has lakes? Shout <laughs> out is... Sean Pauly. Yes. Kalispell. Yeah, this is a really uh, large lake in Montana called Flathead Lake. Mm, um, beautiful. And it's massive. You, you can't see the other side of the shore. I didn't realize it was that big. Mm-hmm. Cool. Yeah, big enough to at least have a sailboat on it. Yeah, totally. <laughs> what's what's number eight? Abdi, what do you got? Fargo, North Dakota. Oh, man, I wish we had trees like that in Fargo. Uh, I say New York City. Yeah. Yep, Central Park. Central Park looks very... Yeah. Yep. Nine. Those overhanging trees. Where's nine? Uh, D.C. I say Boston. Boston is right. <laughs> I'm all over. Oh, <laughs> uh, Calatrava Museum in Wisconsin. Yeah. What city? Milwaukee. Yeah. Fun fact about that building: they they go to that what Transformers one or two? They go to that building in Transformers one or two. Uh, I think it's two, and they're like they're living in New York doing all this stuff, and then they go to that building, <laughs> and then they like go back, and it's like but. So that it's made you think. Yeah, Milwaukee, not New York. But what's really great, Isaac, is that like this is one picture, but like the next photo in the the like click roll, right, is one like you and Jill and Jacob like popping up in between all these things. Oh, we're right behind him in this photo. I don't know if it's exactly this one, but like the next one I took had all of you guys interspersed in it. Fantastic! I remember that. Cool. That I love that that building and that photo is probably my favorite out of these. Yeah, it's a cool one. Yeah. So Abdi, like, so do what? Do you see any of these? And these, let's do this thing. This is kind of fun. What? What? Do you have any stories of from any of these photos? Like, does does anything pop into your head? Like, I remember this and such and such. If you don't, that's fine. But me or Katie? you? Yeah, you. Because oh. I, I, to me, it just seems like a. It's kind of it that talks about the power of photography, right? Like, mm-hmm. like Katie was saying, it's this story that you can. Yeah, the um, number set nine. Those look completely like DC brownstones. Oh yeah. Um, if you're here in the district and you're in the neighborhood that you're in, like Dupont Circle and Calorama, those are all the super colorful brownstones with the rooftops that people have. So it's like I was like, oh, DC, <laughs> totally. It's like walking through your old neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Cool. Um, Man, I see. Go for it. What else? Oh, no. I mean, I was able to guess the Calatrava Museum because that yeah. one, like, we always talk about his design. Yeah. Yeah, you you didn't go to that, did you? Mm-hmm. You you were out of architecture school by then. No. Uh, yeah, I was out by then. Yeah. But, um, remember, he was, like, one of my favorites when I was still in school. Yeah, for sure. And then uh, the, what is it? Now I'm forgetting... Starts with an O. Oscar Niemeyer? Uh, no, uh, the oh, Cal- Calatrava design in New York City. Oh. The new 9-11. Um, oh, yeah. I don't know what it's called. It's that mall, though, right? Not the Oxagon. The Oculus. Yeah. Oh, okay. The Oculus looks slightly similar, too. Hopefully someone, was, hopefully someone was screaming at us, like, the Oculus! <laughs> <laughs> Probably was. Yeah. Nice. Any 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 other stories like come to your head like I 
I the Santa Monica one, the Ferris wheel. The, yeah. Once you said Venice Beach, I was like totally. But that also looks like Santa Monica if you're on the Santa Monica Pier. Mm-hmm. And that was probably one of my favorite trips, obviously, to go out to, um, to go out to um, uh, Cali. And we were on. We had we went to Venice, spent the day in the morning there, um, and then that evening we actually drove up to Santa Monica and like watch the sunset and we were on the beach and we could see the santa monica pier um in the santa monica like various wheel and everything and it was just like literally looked like the image and as this was as the sun was set into so it was just like that whole scene went from like day to like um sunset and it was just gorgeous so that one really i really like that one cool what about you, Isaac? I mean, you were literally on the trip trip for two photos. <laughs> yeah, oh. for sure. Yeah, one in one in one in ten. I was like you said, ten. I was probably like in your vicinity when you took this. Yeah. Uh, and I I remember just being in the parking garage of that building, and like seeing how this crazy structure went down into the parking garage, and the parking garage below was super cool. And I remember just like sitting down there and just like shooting the shit with people, uh, and just being like like touching the structure and just like wow this is wild like nerdy uh, architects do yeah exactly there's just like yeah there's a group of 50 like 21 year old architecture students descended on this building on like a wednesday and it's Bring like it. oh gosh yeah get, get out of here uh i mean number two is interesting we have a my family has a bench this old crickety bench that i don't know if it's even standing up anymore that had these similar like cast iron um, arms on them and legs. And they extended through the wood and went to the legs. And so I think of that, like that's a very, that image makes me pretty nostalgic for home, um, which I just think is really interesting because it's not at all what your photo is. No, uh, I, I love, and I love that you say that it reminds you of home because for me, what I call that photo is I call that photo waiting. That is okay. a photo of, like you guessed, an old train station um, yeah. in oh, cool. Cavalier, North Dakota, where I, it was towards the end of my time in Grand Forks, where I was waiting to get out of there. And I had taken a day trip somewhere north of Grand Forks to just take some pictures of whatever I could find in a small town. And I found this, and it was just a moment of like, this is waiting. This is me. What I'm. This is what I'm doing while I'm waiting to get out of here. This is a spot where you wait for a train. Like that's what it was. It was. It was getting away, sort of a thing. So for you to talk about it being about home, is really cool to me. Wow, that's really cool. I love that idea of that. You know, this is like a therapeutic way, and I think going back to our conversation about creativity before and, you know, burying your soul with some of this stuff um, and putting it out there, like to you, this is such a sentimental photo. And there's a lot of like, a lot of feeling and like a lot of stuff. You probably wouldn't, you probably wouldn't tell people that walked up to you at your, at your show about this, right? Oh. About like what that means to you or would you? I did. Yeah. That's awesome. It's and and you use, like you went to go explore through your camera. So like you're, Mm-hmm. You're just exploring to find a photo, but also to see the world in a different way. Mm-hmm. Super cool. Can you talk about, I mean, what are the other photos? What do the other photos mean to you now? Or, or at least a few of them. Can you highlight a few of them? Yeah. So, um, so three was from my first trip to visit my aunt out in LA. Um, and we, uh, we'd gone to the beach and there was this, we were walking the beach and there was something about, we never rode the Ferris wheel. I'm not a big beach person to begin with, but there's something about the way that the sky was just so blue that day and the way that this was framed where it's just taking up that corner of the of the frame that really drew my attention um, and the colors that popped to it. So mm-hmm. um, that's that moment. And I just have a hint for Ferris wheels. There's something so poetic <laughs> about Ferris wheels. How do you mean? They just, they go round and round and ups and downs of life. And it's just cyclical and repetitive. And 
They're very slow, but by the top of it, you've got a gorgeous view and seeing things differently. I just find Ferris feels very poetic. Huh. That's a really yeah. good way to look at it. Yeah, yeah. and you, you get to the bottom, it's boring, and then you get back up again. Exactly. And then go to the bottom, and you'll get back up again. Yeah, cycles of life. Yeah, cool. I, what I love about Bobby, feel free to jump into, but uh, I love about this photo is that the right side, there's not the same amount of blue on the right side as the, of the photo as the top. Mm. Mm -hmm. Like it's a, I think it's a totally different photo if it's like the same amount of framed, but yet the fulcrum is still in the corner of the photo. And maybe that's the aspect, maybe that's the size of the photo. If it was a square, it's a different photo. Yeah, I think the way you crop something is completely different. And that was one of the challenges I ran into putting this collection together is most of the photographs, when I, when I take them, the, my first round of edits, I go in and I crop them to four by sixes um, just because that's what I print the most of. Uh, and that's just, a, you know, it's the common size. So when I went in to um, look at what photographs I wanted to show, while I needed to recrop them all to an eight by ten, and they don't crop the same because they're different ratios and so i had to actually mm. there's a there's a few photos that i wanted to use for this that actually speak better to stories to these cities but they didn't crop in the same way that i wanted to tell the story through if that makes sense that mm -hmm. totally does it's 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 the you know it's it's the structure thing a little bit too mm -hmm. the way it's presented makes a difference in how you experience it absolutely and what it what it says mm -hmm. yep cool oh, it does um, number four was taken in Virginia Beach. Uh, I'd gone out to visit my cousin who lives out there uh, in Virginia. She's going to law school. And uh, we were hiking through a national park out by the beach. Honestly, it was kind of miserable just because it was so hot and sticky. But what was really interesting to me was these swamp areas within the park that when you looked down, they were so crystal clear and mirror-like that they just reflected the canopy above. And to me, that was so interesting. And I was really glad that uh, the camera captured that reflection as well as it does because it was just trippy being surrounded by it. So. And this, this photo is a choice on your part, which sells it is you can't you would not be able to tell that you're looking down at water if you didn't have the trunk of the tree hit the water yeah exactly like that is that makes that with it's a, again it's a completely different photo it's not near uh for what what the story you're trying to tell if you don't have the trunk shown there yeah cool Number five uh, was taken on my trip to Dubai during college. Uh, I was out there for 12 days, a life-changing once-in-a-lifetime trip. Um, we saw a lot of high-tech spaces. Dubai is very known for um, the glitz and the glam of um, the city. Uh, Burj Khalifa, um, tallest building in the world's out there. Got to see that. And all of that was really cool. But my favorite night was definitely the night that we took these 4x4 Jeeps and went dune bashing throughout the desert. And music blasting, drifting through these dunes, it's kind of terrifying, but it was amazing. Um, halfway through, uh, on our way to our destination, we stopped and we watched the sunset. And that's where this photo was taken, was watching the sunset. Um, and then we continued the night by doing a traditional Bedouin uh, meal underneath the stars. Uh, they had some cool. traditional entertainment there and, and food. And just to cap off the night uh, in that such a remote and peaceful area um, when the rest of the trip was so packed and so busy and so full of glitz and glam, this was just such a peaceful night. Um, there were really no cameras out that night. Um, nobody distracted by other things. It was just us being there in that moment. Uh, so that was that was really fun for me. Cool. That's terrific. It's funny how a photo reminds you of serenity of not having cameras around. Right. Mm -hmm. Yeah. That's what. That's one thing I love too. I. 
I mean, last time when I was in DC, you were giving me shit because I was like just passing. I would I would like take photos on as I'm walking. <laughs> I call Isaac the drive-by photographer, <laughs> and it's I think about that a lot. What you were just saying, Katie, is like a lot of times, especially when I'm on trips, I try not to. I try not to. I find it takes me out of the moment sometimes if I'm like sitting because I'm too focused on getting a photo, mm-hmm. uh, and I don't like that personally. So I like just to get photos and sometimes I, they're not good necessarily, but it reminds me of a moment of what it felt like to be there. And uh, I, I, it's interesting. I like that about this photo. But I think there's a balance to that. I think there's totally. You need, you're going to get the drive by photos, right? That, Oh, I'm just going to point, shoot, get that moment. Mm -hmm. But then there's the taking the moment to be in the moment, capture the moment and then be in that moment again. Yeah, for sure. Like there's and, a and balance to it. Totally. And catch this beautiful sunset that you see coming over the dunes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. If you were just like, here's a picture of the sand, I got to get it. So the sun isn't coming over. It's like, it's a way different photo. It doesn't necessarily remind you of that place mm-hmm. in the way that you saw it. Yeah, totally. Um, number eight is Central Park in New York City. Um, New York was my graduation trip from high school. We had seen a lot of um, a lot of the city, and then Central Park was a day where we just started at the the north end and worked our way south. We just walked the entire park, and there was something about the shadows and the way that the trees um, were cap- uh, were framing this this mall space that just fascinated me. And so that is that is this moment. It's just capturing that in, in a still and something so green in a city that is so concrete. Cool. I think that's the power of Central Park in itself. For sure. It, th- this, this photo reminds me of, uh, this is like art imitating art. It reminds me of like <laughs> all of the movies that Central Park is depicted, like, or shows, like whether it's Law and Order, like don't go jogging through there or like <laughs> whether it's like, yeah, those rom-coms <laughs> where like, people are in central park walking around or whatever. Yeah. It's just, I think of, I think of a bunch of movies and TV shows. Oh, it is very stereotypical. Like for sure. And there's like someone in the center of the path and yeah, it's like, you were like, Hey everyone stop. You go stand over here. You go stand (laughs) over here. I'm going to take a photo. (laughs) I actually have one from Boston that is very much like that, that, I obviously didn't tell her to stop, but there's a runner smack dab in the middle of this path with trees over it. And it's just, it makes me such a happy, it's such That's a awesome. happy photo for me. But it's not my, it's not the Boston photo that I showed. Um, oh, what a lead in. Nice, like, <laughs> nice little segue there. <laughs> um, so Boston was a trip. It took a few years back. Um, it was also kind of a, it was a fall trip. And so it was also very gray most of the time I was there. It wasn't a lot of sun. Um, and when we did get sun, um, th- that was, that was great. But this one reminded me because uh, of Boston because it was, cause there was kind of that gray sky, but I love the symmetry of this photo. It is taken on top of a cemetery, which are all over Boston. For those who haven't been there, there's so many cemeteries with old tombstones. And you, I'm standing on top of this hill, and across from it are all these brownstones. And so just to be able to have the elevation change from being on the sidewalk, just being up that little extra level so you could be on um, a similar, similar level as these uh, houses to get that straight-on shot, that elevation shot, that's what I love about this oh, photograph. Oh, man, cool, yeah. This is reminding me of something. I couldn't figure out what it was, but it... This reminds me, we, uh, we studied abroad in Antwerp for three months and one of our, one of our groups like rooms, Tyler and Jacob's room, uh, looked out onto the front street and there was a, there were these like brownstone type buildings. And I remember just sitting there looking down the street all the time and like looking around and it was like, we'd go on all these trips and we'd come back to Antwerp and that was like home. And then you just like sit and watch the street life happen. Oh man, cool. I just remembered that's what it reminded me of. 
Yeah. That's awesome. I also have to say I love that home is what you're connected yeah. to. Yeah, sort of. totally. Oh, man. Should I? Should I? Wow. I'm, I'm homesick, huh? I think we just learned something about <laughs> me today. <laughs> How do we want to wrap this up? So I guess for, for me, my question is, I, I read my, my statement and kind of my intent behind this collection earlier. Uh, do you guys feel like it is a successful collection in showing that? Um, in, in capturing these moments of specific cities. Abdi. And is mm -hmm. it cohesive? What do you think? Abdi, do you want to go or shit? I think so. I mean, I think it's successful just for the fact of you made something and you put it out there and this is, here's your photos. And, and it, it clearly was successful because you sold two photos and each of those people had their own stories. And we could sit here just now and go through our own stories. Mm -hmm. And if this was if this was your intent, um, this I think you did it successfully. Personally, I'd put that question back on you. Would there be? Would you do anything different? <laughs> if we're going to talk about studio, and studio being this place of yeah. like continual making things better, um, being critical of our own work, being critical of each other's work, what would you do differently? I was really constrained by my setting, right, for the show. I was given six feet to, to display in. Um, and with the venue and all that, I, I knew I was limited. Uh, if I were to do this as a, as a show, as a standalone show, I think I would do side-by-side um, -side pairings where one frame would be the photograph and then another frame would be the story so that you... So you could know the story as mm -hmm. you looked at it and maybe project that onto you. Because for me, whatever I do creatively is so much about storytelling. And so I would want to have that combination together, mm, I think. Interesting. A part of me kind of thinks that would be... I'm less interested in that. Yeah. Really? I'm less interested okay. in knowing off the top what your story is behind each photo. Uh, but... At the same time, then it then it it what that does too is it draws more attention to your intentionality. It draws more attention to your intentionality behind everything. I think I think it yeah. without that it kind of goes to like I think the criticism on modern art and abstracts modern art that it's like a little bit like understand me um, and just in the sense of like there's no story there's no evidence story behind it. But I think photography does, I think photography just allows a view into the world that people can connect with immediately. And, 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 yeah. and what you're talking about is this is through my lens and people can draw whatever interesting, for, I mean, we could, we could have talked about what that means to us. We could have just taken a guess at what these, what this collection means for you. Um, right. Or we could have told the stories of what we think each photo is or whatever. But mm -hmm. I, I'm personally less in, interested, not that I'm not interested in your stories of these photos, but I'm less interested in knowing that if you're going to be pre presenting this at a, at a, in a space, I'm less interested in that at, off the bat because um, I think that's a little evident. It's just evident because you took a lot of care taking these photos and the way you framed everything, mm -hmm. that is, it's very clear that you took a lot of care and that so, they mean something to you and they meant something to you in that moment. Yeah. Yeah, and it allowed other people sense. to connect with it to to be able to pick out which one mattered the most to them. Um, I think mm -hmm. as a collection, it really works. But just like people are buying a specific one, there's a one that really drew their attention. You know, so if I was making the purchase, I'd be buying the Ferris wheel one, the Santa Monica one, or the DC brownstones, right? Um, so I think that's. Because both of those tie really closely to, like, stories that I really like. Even though I've been to, like, the Central Park and I've been to uh, where I've seen Calatravas and so on. But, like, for me, the two that tie or at least really connect with me are the Santa Monica, the Venice and the Boston that looks like D.C. Yeah. <laughs> cool. So going, go, going back to that then, Katie, what is... If you were to see this presented as just photos from somebody else, 
as just photos or photos with a story next to each one? Which one would, what, which way would you be drawn to as a, as a person viewing this? That's really hard to answer just to separate myself from, from it. Um, I think it goes into how it's displayed. I, I, I do. Um, I like to know the background of things. I like to know the way things work. And so I, that part of me really wants to see this, know the why behind something. Mm -hmm. um, but I can certainly see the, the perspective of saying, let's just project our own onto something that we're seeing and not have any of the mm -hmm. why. But the person who wants the why in me keeps, keeps going back to wanting that story. Yeah, display. totally. And I wonder if, I think that's a pretty, I asked the question because I'm I, just doing this has challenged my own thinking of things. I personally like to put things out and not talk about it, but it allows, especially when you're people don't know who you are as much. Mm -hmm. it, it doesn't allow that connection to happen because they don't they don't understand where you come from. Um, right. So I I think like my opinion I don't think is necessarily right. And I, that's why I was interested to see if you were a viewer, if you would think differently or whatnot. Because, I mean, I think of like the Donald Glover video. Everyone wanted to, they broke down what that meant, you know, and they wanted to, and they've asked him, what does that mean? And he's like, I don't want anybody, I don't want to tell you anything. I want you to have your own opinion to it. But we also, we know him yeah. and we know what he's tried to say before. So um, we don't necessarily need a story to kind of infer. But with, with people who yeah. are young, who are new to, showing work yeah it's interesting i there's no right my point is there's no right or wrong way to view it i don't think i oh yeah, absolutely. i just and you always it's just a question what's more successful and i guess it just comes down to your point how's how's it displayed and what are you trying to say mm -hmm. yeah yeah oh, this is awesome thank you guys for uh for talking through this with me <laughs> no, thanks for presenting yeah that exactly that was really good Katie. thank you <laughs> I love that it was just a way for us to talk about stuff in a little more in detail, but also get personal about it. And also hear yeah. like from personal level how the actual event was too. Yeah. yeah. Since we were totally. able to be there. So that was awesome. Totally. So uh, thanks for listening today. Uh, we learned that Katie is two photos richer <laughs> and she got an awesome experience out of it. Uh, it was, it's been a, fantastic uh time talking through this hope pe anybody listening enjoyed it um and anything else you guys want to say before we sign off <laughs> i don't think so just yelling in an empty room just kidding yeah that's what's up <laughs> keep making stuff right yep there we go keep yeah. making stuff fantastic yeah thanks for listening everyone um and until next time until next time all right, thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, thanks everybody for listening to Studio Podcast with Studio Verb. Uh, if you want to connect with us outside of the podcast, you can find us at www.studioverb.com. That'll have links to all of our uh, studios. Uh, you can also find us on Twitter and Instagram. Our Twitter is at Studio Verb. We show a lot of our own content uh, there, but also some other creative people that we follow. Uh, so check that out. Uh, Instagram is at Studio underscore Verb. Uh, we post a new collection every month. And if you have thoughts or want to collaborate with us, reach out to us via email, studioverbinfo at gmail.com.